This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. By my reckoning, there's still some money from uh, that £100 million left. <laughs> um, are you still hoping to bring some new faces in? I know. I think we're, we're, we're quite satisfied where we're at at the moment. We've got uh, a really healthy squad, um, you know, uh, some good numbers in there, you know, and there will be some outgoings as well on, uh, on loan uh, before the window closes. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast, season 2021, stroke 22. I'm David Michael, the editor of My Old Man Said, and your host. Joining me to discuss the commencement of another season, Mr. Chris Bird and Mr. Phil Shaw. Welcome. Hello, sir. How are you? Hello. Well, I was all depressed this week, and the only thing I was hanging on to was this the wonder of seeing uh, Villa start a new season with a new look team and I sunk even deeper into depression after oh, no. uh, Saturday no. afternoon uh, attempt. So how, how are you? I'm all right. I'm quite looking forward to being back at Villa Park. Oh, yes. Nice nice to be feeling human again after COVID and doing normal things again. Uh, uh, would you consider going to Villa Park normal? Uh, good question. <laughs> <laughs> how are you, Mr. Shaw? I'm all good. I, I feel I feel part of the pride is what I feel because I've just got my new Claret membership pack in, and it's oh, it's it's brilliant. It's got a scarf, it's got a badge, it's got uh, free nice flights, little, it's got everything. Yes, <laughs> yes it's got, it's got everything. <laughs> like only thing's missing is an uh, invitation to high tea with Perslow. That's the only thing that's missing. That's great, great pack. Invite to where? Invite to like a hi- high tea or something or afternoon tea with Perslow. Ah, afternoon tea. Gotcha, gotcha. You, you can see what they've done there. You know, season ticket holder, you, you remortgage your house to get that bloody season ticket, and the letter comes in the post with, with your season card. And a card st- and a car sticker. And some shitty little sticker. And then it's to try to upsell you to get that membership pack as well, because you suddenly feel the FOMO as the as you see the pictures of the scarf and all all kinds of crap. I remember when I had to pull the stunt of joining another club's membership scheme. Uh, <laughs> we were, without naming the the, uh, the club, to go into their marvellously uh, modern new stadium for the start of the season. I wonder who that could be. And uh, the pack came and I thought, fuck me, I might, I might as well support these guys because they're, they're obviously uh, serving out the goodies with their membership. I think uh, the Villa 
membership at that time was you just got the card and that was it. You got a slap, didn't you? These guys, <laughs> you get the scarf, you get the mobile device holder, which actually turned out to be very uh, useful. But I, I did have to put some mom stickers over the top of that bloody cockerel. Oh, sorry, I shouldn't have mentioned cockerel. That was too much of a clue. Uh, and uh, yeah, all, all kind of pictures, all kinds of stuff. And you think, well, yeah, that actually makes you feel like a, a member. But uh, yeah, it, season ticket holders should definitely get some uh, little extras and trinkets as well rather than purposely trying to upsell them it right so let's get on with this show shall we coming up in the show we get into uh the villa news to uh bring you up to date what's going on from crypto to uh, potential franchises of the club we also have a look at the media muppet activity of the week before we get into the three points which uh, includes potential uh, revision of the financial fair play system george best's uh, airbnb venture as well as uh, messy shenanigans and how uh, la liga rules were bent for him before getting into the main show where we uh, we look at what has to be considered a false start uh, considering our preparation uh, it was not really a surprise in terms of our pre-season and what's been going on so we'll get into that and uh, analyze the conclusions that we uh, drew from the first 90 minutes uh, of the season right should we get into the villa news or do you want to talk about the uh, Taliban occupation of Afghanistan first? Those are the options. Uh, let's go with the Villa News. Right, uh, what's been happening in the Villaverse? Uh, Richard O'Kelly uh, disappeared uh, as one of the Greek chorus of coaches. The only thing odd about it, I, because th- you know he's getting on a bit, and maybe they want to freshen things up. Uh, there's 110 reasons why he could go, but to do it suddenly like two days before the season starts was a bit odd. Smith said there's nothing sinister about it. There's been a kind of a spin where it's been inferred that O'Kelly thought he could take the team as far as he could and he's kind of stepped down. Uh, I don't know if I buy into that one. Why would you uh, decide with two days to go to the season start? Seems a bit odd to me. Maybe you just can't stand the set-piece coach. Maybe there was a personality conflict there. What was your views quickly? Well, I mean, Smith had said, you know, I think if if Terry hadn't had have gone when he did, O'Kelly would have probably gone sooner. So it's right. obviously been on the horizon for a while that they thought it would happen. So they're obviously going to be getting somebody in in the you know immediate future. I thought. So he was just covering his backside. Yeah, I think uh, so. He's looking out, looking out for his mate. Uh, I mean, we had so many coaches, which is normally, I mean, normally uh, as a football fan, you know that you've got a you've got a manager and you've got an assistant manager. That's normally as far as you need to go, really, don't you? In terms Not of, jeez. It seemed to slow Villa's decision making down because you know there you were as a fan watching the game. I don't know, seventy minutes gone, and there's obvious changes need to be made to uh, try to uh, change uh, the direction of a game. I'm just talking about last season, and you know you, the, the camera pans in, and then there's there's Cutler, Terry, Shakespeare, O'Kelly, and Smith all having a big conversation. It's like, yes, yeah, I'm not buying into this. I prefer a manager who knows what he's doing. If you know what I mean, it's certainly nice to have maybe one or two go. Is this what we should do? Yeah, great, let's do it. Yeah. We, we said before, didn't we, Like you, you can turn on a sixpence then. It always felt like you were slowing down making proactive decisions, but 
alas. Yeah. Maybe anyway. they should have used a blockchain solution and let everyone else vote on it. Yes. Uh, funny enough, we mentioned uh, socios, which are like a, a fan token, you know, based on crypto, but it is crypto uh, essentially. And uh, the latest club to sign up leads. Uh, and, you know, funny enough, uh, a couple of days after the show went out, uh, Aston Villa announced that they too were. Uh, we're subscribing uh, to Socios, the fan tokens. I've been following the progression of uh, Socios going back probably three years to when uh, West Ham signed up and then after supporter pressure, ditched the idea. Fast forward when we had our, one of these fan consultation group meetings with Perslow, I was running by him a few things that were, let's say, you know, pr- future-proving the conversation. So one of the things was the idea of uh, facial recognition technology. Would that be used? Is that something the club would consider? And that got a no. And then I said, and also, uh, you know, socios, these fan tokens, which could be used for engagement for fans to vote on things. But then you've got that situation where fans are actually paying, essentially, for their engagement. He said, no, you know, we, we would never uh, we would never do that fast forward what about a year and a half and here we are we we've seems to be a bit of a u-turn on them now this is something i'm going to talk about i think on a a patreon podcast because uh there's various ways of uh, looking at it and uh i've got some insights uh i think what they've changed from that west ham model and what they learned from that was uh, the idea of giving every season ticket holder a member one free token so then you could actually vote on everything that anybody else can vote on. I mean, basically it's a money grab off overseas fans. Overseas fans are by default kind of passive. They're not, they're, okay, they, they pay for merchandise, but they're not giving you match going revenue. So this is one way to get money off them, but we'll discuss it in more detail uh, in a podcast. Speaking of other endeavours, uh, Wes Edens and uh, Nassif Suarez have actually registered the trademark Las Vegas Villains. Uh, t- and this is obviously to be a MLS franchise so uh, we, we know where the villain's name comes from so there's a potential there to uh, replicate what City have done I think City's uh, owners have got about 10 clubs now in their mini consortium haven't they yeah pack your yeah. bags lads we're off to Vegas yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for my Vegas membership pack it'll be great <laughs> Viva Las Villa yeah you don't have to pay much taxes there do you that's why a lot of these YouTubers all disappear there but the, the only weird thing about this is that they've put the eye in villains now, obviously, that's because the layman who's getting into this team for the first time, that's how you spell villains, villains. But obviously, it's a nod from Aston Villa. And if you're a villain in the Villa-verse, it's, there's no eye uh, in it. Well, no second eye, should I say, in villains. So that's the only bone of uh, contention there. But I suppose it is another club. Moving on, uh, Villa have drawn a team they've never played uh, before, if I am uh, correct. Uh, Barrow time, away to Barrow which is uh, on the northwest coast, kind of near, is it near Morecambe-ish yeah, area? It's up by the Black Lake Street, yeah, it's a bloody long way. Yeah, it's probably closer for me as a crow flies. Oh, easily. Completely. So uh, there's a, uh, a chance for uh, some away fans to uh, tick a stadium off their uh, their list that they probably didn't even know existed. <laughs> so something novel for the season. Meanwhile, the uh, the captaincy of Aston Villa has gone to Mings with uh, McGinn as the vice captain. Uh, no surprise whatsoever there in that combination. I think I think uh, most people would have put their house on that if they had to uh, make a bet on it. No complaints either. No, not at all. Mings is a you know, com- comes across a nice guy. He's a good, you know, spokesperson and leader and role model. And McGinn, I think, is a really sort of a good a good choice as well. It might make him 
level up a little bit and he obviously gives your club a bit of personality because he's a, a naturally quite a funny guy. Thing is, though, uh, I mean, we'll get on to that, but is his, you know, is he a first 11 player? That's something that's up for debate maybe uh, later on in the podcast. Right, uh, time for Media Muppets. So, Phil, what's in the Media Muppet trough this week? This week, it's the story that broke that John Terry apparently convinced Grealish to leave Villa. So this was started by Neil Costas and the Sun, and then was immediately parroted by Max Matthews in the Daily Mail. So the scenario is Terry's jumped ship from Villa, but oh, by the way, it was his fault for uh, Jack Grealish leaving. He persuaded him to leave. That's how it appears, doesn't it, from the headlines? Exactly, that's what gets everybody to click it. And then whenever they click it, they find out Terry just said to Grealish, there's nothing like standing there and hearing the Champions League anthem. That's it, nothing else at all. And he probably told him that about five years ago. <laughs> yeah, like no shit. I'm sure there's, there's the standing there for the anthem does feel good, but Terry probably told Grealish other things felt good as well. And they used Terry as the example when he was virtually a, a one-club man for most of his career. I mean, it's just there's just nothing in it at all. It's just it's just filling more more and more column inches. That's it. Yeah, another thing. I mean, while while we're on the subject of uh, Mr. Grealish, uh, a lot of fans got triggered because uh, Amazon Prime put out uh, like a wait, it's an ad, social media ad, Grealish's face with a, a quote which was actually stitched together from uh, I think his. Manchester City, welcome to the the club interviews. And they take two quotes, put them together, and, and, you know, the dot, dot, dots there to show that it isn't a a one solid uh, statement. I think most people know what what I'm referring to. Basically, you're saying Manchester City are better than Aston Villa for players, wasn't it? It was either reckless or done with, uh, oh, let's get some engagement here. And he kind of, he's teed it up as well, if anything. As as soon as you start on his statement by saying, with all due respect, you kind of know where it's going. But he's talking, this is from a conversation where... He's talking about him not getting doubled up at City and not getting, you know... Yeah, exactly. And and it's taken out of context and just put there to imply that, uh, you know, and and the way they use that, with all due respect, in a condescending fashion, when actually originally it wasn't. So, you know, basically Grealish has been stitched up there and fans get super triggered because that's what you're meant to be doing in this situation. I think there's going to be a lot of that. Nigel Spink went crazy and it's like, whoa, 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 just use you know, use your loaf, look at the situation, take a step back. I don't think Grealish is going to go around bashing on Villa. It's not his nature. Right, three points. Now, why didn't this come in like decades ago? UEFA is setting out proposals next month to replace the financial fair play rules, which they don't really exist, do they? Come on, let's count laugh- for anything, do they? <laughs> They're laughable. With a salary cap and a luxury tax by the end of the year. So uh, has this Grealish transfer and Messi transfer triggered them into this? Under the planned system, clubs in Europe, uh, in European competition, I think it's more, this has been triggered from what's happening in La Liga and like Barcelona's yeah. meltdown and their wage percentage of uh, outgoings. Uh, under the planned system, clubs in Europe competition would be limited to spending a fixed percentage of their revenue. Around 70% is the muted uh, figure on salaries any clubs breaching the cap would have to pay a luxury tax under which the equivalent or more of any overspend would be into a pot to be redistributed i'm presuming is that redistributed for teams in the champions league probably grassroots or something like that that's not a uh, punishment though is it in terms of leveling up the field because it says clubs in european competition would be limited 
to spending a fixed percentage of their revenue. The only way this kind of evens the playing field is if your direct competitors get the cash from any luxury tax. Because, you know, how's that going to stop Manchester City or PSG? They'll just go, yeah, yeah, no problem. If this is going to grassroots, then we'll be seen as martyrs, uh, not martyrs, you know, do-gooders while we break the rules. It doesn't kind of work out. But I think that's 70%. I mean, when you're in, uh, you know, you're looking at the Barcelona situation, they're currently at 95%, which is way out of order. I think Villa and O'Neill were in the 80s. You can't sustain a business like that. It's ridiculous. Well, Villa under Tony Shear in the Championship can't have been very good, I'm sure. Yeah, but they should bring this in in Premier League. There should be a percentage, and 70 seems uh, fair enough because it also safeguards these teams that get promoted, then they just gamble on bang average players, which they've got to pay over the odds for to to attract them. Then they get relegated, and then they're fucked in terms of... Sheffield United did with getting Brewster, for example. Prime yeah. example, just dreadful business. Because like QPR, when they got relegated, oh, you know they had Samba one. and all kinds of people on on ridiculous wages. The, and the that, Singwa who wouldn't leave. Yeah, and it just sank them. So uh, there needs to be something done. And it, you know, this is not rocket science. This this should have been in a long, long, long time ago. Meanwhile, George Best's family house, which is in uh, around Belfast, Phil, is, yeah. this isn't the sixties futuristic one, is it? Well, it was futuristic in the sixties. No, it, it's it's close enough to me. It's in it's in Burren Way and uh, Craig Estate in Belfast. Whenever, no, so it's nothing to do with the one I'm thinking of. When he started no. to be, you know, Champagne uh, George or whatever, whatever they called him, he got he bought this like sixties futuristic house that you know it was all kind of straight lines and uh, almost like sci fi. So that's what I thought it was. Anyway, carry on. This is uh, this is the the family home. So this is his, his parents family home when he left first of all to go to Manchester United as a teenager so yeah. whenever his fa- whenever his father passed away it passed over to uh, like a, sort of like a community development place and they had it kept in its state in the early 2000s whenever they got it um, but now it's been completely retro renovated as they called it and what it was like in the very early 1960s but you can actually get it on Airbnb I checked and you can get it for between 85 and 130 quid depending on the date you want to go to it and you can see let letters he wrote home to his parents and things like that and there's a like a timeline of his career on the brick wall well if we ever visit you uh phil sure that's where we'll be staying well, if it's around the corner from your gaff well, everywhere's <laughs> around the corner from <laughs> it's not a big place <laughs> yeah speaking of best actually uh, i remember the auction house got in touch with my old man and said this is going way you know it's going back a few years and took an ad out on our uh, website because they were auctioning george best's aston villa shirt when he played in uh, that fundraising exhibition uh, game i think it was this is like early 80s uh, so was, you know playing with like alan evans and uh, everybody i think it was against west brom and it actually sold off my site. It was through my site that they actually bought. I forgot, forgot how much he, uh, the guy paid for it, but that was uh, that was kind of cool. I remember when I was young, like outside of the England football team, in terms of like historical footballers that I would read about I think it's George Best and then Gert Muller as well of Germany because you'd always see him scoring against England I think it's in the 70s footage and uh, he uh, passed away age 75 suffering from Alzheimer's uh, unfortunately he was uh, I mean legitimately one of the best international strikers uh, around he scored uh, 68 goals in 62 appearances for West Germany, and I don't think San Marino were around uh, in those days either. But uh, most famously, scored the winning goal in the '74 uh, World Cup final against uh, the Netherlands, and then his, you know, record 
during 15 years at uh, Bayern Munich was just insane. Uh, it's almost a goal a game, man, wasn't it? 547 goals in 594 competitive games. Insanity. Point number three, probably one of the only people that can match him uh, in the modern day, uh, Lionel Messi. The uh, the fallout from his transfer to PSG continues, or, or information coming out. They've actually had to bend the rules of uh, La Liga 1 in France to uh, accommodate his number because according to rule 670 the numbers 1, 16 and 30 are exclusively and necessarily reserved for goalkeepers and uh, Messi uh, wanted the 30 shirt like his first shirt at Barker so they've had to bend over for that a few brown paper envelopes to the uh, the rules keeper and that was probably uh, swept under the carpet but the main crazy stat apart from uh, Messi also getting a load of socios uh, apparently got millions I mean they haven't really confirmed they haven't confirmed how much he was paid in that currency but I was following that currency it was I mean investing it's always about you buy the rumour sell the news and uh, when his transfer was uh, muted to PSG the price of that socio shot up and then it dropped you know when uh, the deal's complete because it's you know it's a pump and dump essentially but uh, commercially you see why PSG uh, they don't mind paying his wages in the first 24 hours of his arrival they sold 800 32,000 shirt. That's bonkers, isn't it? And I was at the UK mm-hmm. store. They uh, they they updated the UK store and it sold out in seven minutes. And that was at like 10 o'clock in the evening. It just went ballistic. Wow. It's bizarre. I mean, I used to live in Paris and I, I would go and see them occasionally and, and nothing was happening at that club. It was mid-table and you thought, Paris, you know, one of the biggest, sexiest cities in the world. Surely it's a great foundation for a big football team, big European powerhouse. If anything, you'd expect them to have maybe two. Yeah, and P- PSG never got it together. I mean, they're quite a mod- new club. Uh, I think it's like 70s, 79, if my memory serves me they're right. They're very but. much like Man City, really. And then, uh, you know, fast forward a few years, boom, bang, bosh. And it's a, it's it's just a big marketing venture, isn't it, now? Well, and the shirts become like a fashion item. Yeah, because of the whole, uh, well, the Nike thing, they've really gone to town on it, haven't they? And it became a hip-hop thing as well. Yeah, it's and, become a hip-hop. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. There you go. Right, let's move on to the uh, the main show. Now, going into this game, what we've been saying on Match Club, the Mile Man said Patreons Match Club, and uh, generally is uh, 
we're not prepared. We need two more weeks pre-season, surely, because A, we've just done all this swap with Grealish and these uh, Liam Bailey coming in who uh, literally came out of isolation after being in Jamaica for a while. What, on Thursday before the game? Yeah, they announced him Thursday, yeah. In terms of actually training, I think uh, probably had two days maybe. Yeah, 12 tops, yeah. One and a half. Yeah. Then you've got uh, Ings just coming in as well. Wendy has been injured. And then you've got all these injuries. Sanson, Buendia, Traore. Martinez, who've only had what, two, two, two weeks training. You could almost say it was you know, shambolic, the preparations, in terms of... Uh, and then you factor in the COVID disruption of losing two games, losing the manager for, was it, 10 days? And Yeah, so a bit of a joke. So uh, I think pre-match in the match club, I was saying... Don't be surprised if we uh, if we come unstuck here because I'm not expecting us to win this. Well, Watford were, were very well prepared. I'd, I'd seen the day before the game, Ben Foster was speaking and he'd said they returned for pre-season on the 28th of June and they had very few international players. So they yeah. had that group that got them promoted plus any new signings and they've had time to bed in. And if you're Watford, you've got to seize every opportunity, every advantage you yep. could possibly get to uh, stay up. And uh, if I was the manager of that team, I would say, right, get in early. We haven't got that many distractions. Let's uh, let's get this down. Yeah. And let's hit the ground running because that's, as always, any season, if you hit the ground running quicker, you can you can accumulate some points. I mean, we did pretty well last season. You know, you're looking back on it and, you know, all the cliches, oh, you need, you know, six, seven games to bed players in. we we potentially played our best football in the first uh, four games. We won the first yeah. four, <laughs> yeah, and you know, and against big teams. And then we never saw the likes of some of those performances again. So uh, sometimes it can be a bit random. But in this case, I just had a bad feeling about this. I the last time I shouldn't say this, but the last time I had this feeling was when we got relegated, when we just bought all those money ball players in, and it was like, hang on a minute, we haven't had actual time to play these players together, or uh, and they're all coming in from different countries. There's really no preparation here. I think we're going to be in trouble here. Then you win your first game against Bournemouth away. And then I think that was the last time we won for for months. For years. <laughs> Literally <laughs> on the road. <laughs> yeah. So a uh, bit of a warning danger sign there. I mean, we'll, uh, we won't soil our pants until the Newcastle game, but uh, yeah. if anything goes wrong there. But yeah, so expectations. Uh, and you, Watford's, you know, I think last season uh, of the four English leagues, they had the best home record as well. Yeah, they, won, they won 19 or 23 at home. So, uh, I mean... Does that mean anything because there was no crowds? Well, it does actually because nobody else was winning home games no. like they were because everybody else's home form was really, you know, to be found in their away performances. I think you know, the barometer of a newly promoted team up against a side who've lost their talisman and they know they've got a lot of new players and they're playing in front of their own fans. It's kind of all these factors all play into it. And Watford would have seen Villa and gone, right, we just, they've got that sort of new, newly promoted kind of exuberance, haven't they? They're just like, fuck it, let's just go for it. Well, they've got like they'll be thinking. Well, they're going to be relying on Buendia. Let's just hustle him out of the game, and mm-hmm. uh, I can't really see them doing much uh, beyond that. This Villa team and hustle him out of the game. They did. Yeah, I mean, rather than go through it bit by bit, I mean, it all came undone. I mean, ten minutes. It, the first thing I said uh, when they went one nil up in Match Club, I said this has got three nil vibes all over it, <laughs> and uh, yep. and there it was, three nil before uh, we could, you know, get back into it. I mean, there was one thing that stood out to me. It was like almost like there was such such naivety in how Villa was set up. And hang on a minute, Sars really fast. That's why, you know, Villa have been linked to him and a hundred other clubs. That will be an obvious threat, but it looked like 
that only became apparent. They only knew about him as what he could offer uh, actually during the game. They shouldn't have been blind after this, yeah, after the second minute because the way he burned past Mali Target in the second minute and nearly caused problems, that should have been a sign then that, right, we need to do something with this now. I need to kneel it down now. And then it kept on happening. It was about, what, three times before the goal and then continued to happen. I, mean, I haven't seen a Villa play get tormented like that in the first half. In ages. He was turned inside, outside. I mean, it was... Uh, it's very seldom you see a left-back get hooked at half-time. Yeah, and the context is, uh, if you know, if you voted most improved player last season, it would have been uh, Matt Target. And the main reason for that is defensively how he came on. I mean, he was, you know, always reasonable going forward and would overlap Grealish pretty well. But defensively... Uh, he didn't look like to be the player that we thought we'd hoped we'd got like a solid left back uh, defensively. But then last season he was great. I mean, some of his tackling was immense, but he just got cooked on a spit. <laughs> it was one way of putting it. Yeah, just it was. Yeah. It was almost. Imba- I mean, that was a polite way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> But I was inferring all kinds of nasty things. The the back four in general just didn't... I say back four, actually. The whole defensive shape unit just didn't look at the races. And then when you think about how undercooked we were, of course we weren't at the races. Yeah, I mean, what I was kind of banking on while we settled down as a team and and got into the season was the the back five, if you include Martinez, was a unit which at least knows each other and it knows the drill, it knows how how it sets up and the organisation should be inbuilt. But they seemed lost. Uh, I mean, they got... the first goal they got suckered because uh, both Konza and Mings were looking at the ball as it was coming in and uh, you know their man just peeled off and he you know he, he just made the space for himself Konza did well to react to get the initial block in but uh, you know, it falls to his feet and, and uh, you know it's pretty much uh, well it kind of went under Martinez I don't know if uh, it's a disappointing goal he'll be a bit annoyed with that one as well I think yeah let's let's, let's put it this way he's, he's saved uh, harder shots than that mm-hmm. or made more difficult saves than that and then when you know when you continue to play as Villa had done throughout that first half, the second goal it doesn't come as a surprise. And when they get a lucky break in the manner that they did with the deflection, you think, well, of course something like that's happened. Yeah, because you just you're just inviting them on. You can you can go online and you can find like the average positions of each player for the the whole game. I mean, the, the only two players apart from Martinez that are in Villa's half for an average position for ninety minutes are Konza and Mings. I mean, the two fullbacks are in halfway. Even when Young went in the left back, he's in halfway. The two centre mids. Are on halfway as well. I mean, basically, we're all in all in the Watford half except the two centre backs, and even them, they're not exactly close to their own box either. All that space in behind for yeah. Sarder running. You're to. almost playing like a high press against the team that are playing really simply back to front. They weren't going to play the ball. They were just like turning us round, hit it down the channels, and it worked every time. Possession sixty two percent. That was Villa's. But the, th- the thing is, they didn't have one shot until McGinn scored. Shot on target was the first one was the 70th minute when McGinn scored. Which is pretty pathetic, to be honest. And it's almost like we just fell into a really rudimentary trap because what they just wanted to do, they wanted to play like the away team against us and just counter us. Well, we played a sort of a a very deep back line to a point, but then there was a massive gap so they could actually play through us and get onto the the back four easily because the midfield were pressing high and, you know, McGinn, Nakamba, Buendia, they're not, Physically, I mean, you know, there's a bit of aggression there, but they're not physically dominant. They're not dominant in the air. We weren't winning the first or the second ball, which Smith will have been will have been raging about. And, he, and his my take from Smith's post match from it all was that he said it was like a bad preseason game. Yeah, and then you had other players like Al Ghazi just falling over, giving giving them the ball, giving them gift wrapped opportunities. 
Yeah, I mean, the second goal just comes from El Ghazi. He, he got the ball in, in a great position uh, on the edge of the Watford box. And instead of having a shot like he usually does, he, he just seemed lost and ran st- straight across it and then just gave it to Buendia when he had five around him. Watford break and then that's 2-0. And when you're 2-0 down, you know, it's hard to come back from that. Yeah, I think, I mean, this is, again, showcase, and this is kind of obvious to most uh, Villa fans, is this issue of midfield. Uh, and, and not talking about balance, is, is organisation. It's uh, Buendia didn't have anybody really around him. He got the ball and suddenly was confronted by, you know, three or four of their players and there was no Villa player in sight. It's almost like, here you go, do something with it. You're just running at blind alleys. And uh, so that brings you to Nakamba and McGinn. And I'm, I'm thinking about McGinn. I know I spoke a bit about this uh, on Match Club where is he like an individual player or does he when he's told to play more number eight does he is he disciplined enough because he you know what's the attributes of McGinn energetic snappy so he's kind of got the perfect uh, attributes for to be the engine room of Villa but the amount of times we've been outplayed in the middle of the park you know if you think about Leeds you think about Southampton when they were 4-0 up against us Leeds when they slammed us 3-0 and now these guys just seem to breeze through us and it's and you're thinking well how, how can that be if McGinn's in there he should be an adequate engine room and you've got like uh, Nakamba as the uh, the enforcer breaker upper for want of a better word and uh, it's not enough it, and so is that because McGinn's not fulfilling that central role because he's not disciplined to uh, stay in stay in the formation, but he wasn't getting kind of close. He wasn't really working with Buendia at any real stage of the game. I think just the overall midfield shape and balance just wasn't working. And then when you had El Ghazi on the left hand side not tucking in and helping when he probably should have as well. Um, and then obviously you know you had um, Young on the other side or Traore later in the game who wasn't exactly known for his defensive attributes. Yeah, but I'm talking about you know we got blitz three nil early doors. And I think that's... You can get. I think we we saw didn't we as you said like a few times last season our midfield would get walked through and you just and I wonder if that's because they're not protected or the the unit doesn't work. I don't. I, I can't put a finger on what it is. They're, they're always outnumbered. They're, the opposition always seem to have an extra man. I mean, when you look at the way Watford lined up, they did have three in the middle and three against Villas too. But I mean, they're. They're really, they don't work as a unit. They don't work as a team. It's very much right. Get past McGinn, right? Get past Nakamba, and then right, you're away. It's like you never see them, them doubling up on anybody. Some supporters are just praying that some kind of uh, holy grail 40 million pound midfielder is just going to come out of the blue before the transfer window closes and it'll solve the midfield problems and he'll be the fulcrum and, uh, you know, like a, a talisman figure in the middle of the park. But I don't think that player's coming. I think they bought the midfielder to strengthen the area, which was uh, Morgan Sanson. We didn't really see uh, much of him. He was obviously getting, you know, climatizing to the Premier League and then he got injured. So his pre-season's been uh, shot through. You've got the return of Douglas Louise, whether that will help us. I mean, we've seen him in, uh, well, certainly since he's been at the club, there's been patches where he did look very good. Then there's patches where he looks a bit casual. One week you're... Uh, you, you're worried that uh, Manchester City were going to trigger their release clause and then another week you go, no, they're never going to tri- trigger it because they don't want him. So he's coming back. But the thing is, we've got a bunch of players for those two central positions. And I don't think Villa are in the business of stockpiling, especially after they've just bought one of them in January. So I don't see somebody coming in. Do you? No. No, I don't. I think maybe in January if, if you're having big problems, but I think Smith will back himself to get the combination right. And that's what I think the problem is. It's They haven't got the combination or the shape right. Because we saw at times last season when you'd get Louise on good form, McGinn on good form, and they could run through people's defences as well. 
So they've got it in them. And if you do pick two out of those and it and it clicks, I mean, you, you're talking about players that will want out. I mean, Louise won't want to hang around if he's not playing. Yeah. The most optimistic combination, and that's hypothetically speaking, and it's based more on hopium, is Sanson becomes the real deal. And then you've got Sanson and McGinn. And you've got two box-to-box players and they can they can yeah. then interchange, can't they? One can go, one can sit, etc. And then Buendia can do what it is he wants or has to do. So that's but that is uh, that's taking a leap of faith that Sanson actually uh, comes up to speed and actually you know brings a lot to the party. I mean, my only thinking from Saturday was that 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 midfield was and that the attacking side of our game we're built or Smith clearly wants us to have the ball, but we're not particularly well set up or weren't at Watford to not have the ball. Was actually I remember games like Leeds away, for example, Leicester away was a good example. Old Trafford was another one where. We actually were set up really well without the ball and games like that. Nakamba played really well, I remember, at Leeds away, didn't he? He had a really, really good game. And, and Chelsea and Spurs, at the end of the season, he did good. I'm going even further in that, Hopium. I'm thinking that the, the the hopeful mix is going to be Sanson and Louise because I just don't think... I mean, McGinn, was, McGinn played all right, played well, but I, I don't think he can play so much well. better than... Yeah, I don't think he can play much better than he did, and I think that's the problem. But, you know, they've made the decision to make him vice-captain, so what does that say? He says he's a big player. He's popular. I, I like him. I, ju- I just think you need to get his role right, and I, I still think we see from the goal, you see when he plays for Scotland, you want McGinn going forwards, can't shackle him. But in terms of our forward players, we've just went out and bought three for like £30 million a pop, so I don't think on paper he's our best forward option. He's not going to be a number 10, is he? Because that's that would be Buendia's role. And we need because we're playing these wide men. You, you Bailey's, Traore or uh, Wendia, if he goes out wide, you're going to need some defensive solidity there. So this is you know this is getting the balance right. That is the big problem, and that's going to be the big question I think for the next few weeks or months potentially. Yeah, but you could argue it's been the big question for the past three seasons. That's that's the issue. Yeah, yeah, because I mean at least you know like with Grealish, you had somebody who could hold the ball. And, uh, you know, you, you remember the, the game against Arsenal where him and Barkley were toying with uh, with Arsenal with their back line. And That's a team that don't press very well, though. And we needed uh, better ball retention in this game. I, I think a big miss was Watkins just to, uh, in terms of moving their back line around, this, is, this would have been Watford's back line. So when he comes back, I think, uh, you know, that's obviously uh, going to change a lot and it will give uh, Buendia something to aim at as well. I mean, we, we're relying on those two to have some kind of telepathic link it's going to be a really interesting one you know against Newcastle when they've had another week on the training ground they've got the reaction to this they've they'll clearly watch the video they'll analyze it etc they'll hopefully be a little bit sharper for training together I do wonder if they might have a bit of a behind closed doors game in midweek of some kind um it, just I think they're gonna have to, to scratch yeah but uh, yeah, I mean, we're not going to uh, read too much into this because, as, as we said going into the game, I, I wasn't very confident just because uh, just our preparation's been all over the place, and it was it's, it's glaringly obvious as well. And we didn't really set up to uh, get a point either. We we were no. so so open. It was uh, you know, naivety at times. The way they uh, there seemed to be no provisional plan to deal with Sar at all. They needed a like a Nakamba to shadow him as soon as he got over the halfway line to come across and do something. Could have almost gone like what Grealish had done to him and just go, well, he's the threat. Because I didn't think, you know, like cleverly adequate player, but he's not going to destroy you. Well, he's not there to, is he? Ran us ra- yeah, run us ragged. You think, just double up on him if you have to. 
and you go man to man and you take him out early. Or you put you put you put your foot through him, he's done you once. If he does you again, then you put your foot through him and go, fuck it, take the yellow card, snap him in half if you have to. Because that's what because that's what a Guardiola <laughs> team would do, isn't it? They snap put their foot him. in. <laughs> yeah, but he's just gonna get up and he's you're just gonna anger him and he's just gonna do it again and again but and again. You put your foot in, you, you go with a tactical foul. It's gonna get you off. But not early doors, you'd be off. I mean, most of their damage was was in the first half. And I think if Target yellowed, he'd have been off as well. The yellowed early doors. They needed somebody to come across and basically help, you know, put a layer in front of uh, Target. Nakamba to come across every time. Or, you know, even McGinn. McGinn did well when he tracked him back that one time. What I will say is Cash didn't have a great game either because the, the same sort of scenario was happening down his side as well. But the thing is, Cash, has got, a, yeah. Yeah, Cash has got a bit more pace to get back in and get himself out of trouble. Matt Target, does, he doesn't have that sort of like acceleration over a quick distance. Uh, Cash was getting pelters from the crowd. You're just a shit Jack Grealish. It's all about the haircut, isn't it? Yeah, he needs to sort that one out, I think. That's how you that's how you nip that song in the bud. Yeah. Uh right, well normally when we lose a game, something uh that we were doing last season, I think we should do. Uh, I mean, the first one I did it was a bit harsh, maybe upset a few few listeners, I don't know where I said if you had to line them all up and shoot one of them, who would it be? In this case, uh, if you had to line them all up and send one of them to do a bit of laboring to help the blues rebuild those two stands that are crumbling around their uh, ears, put them on roof duty. Do a bit of slating or whatever. I don't know what they've... I think they both got a lot of slating. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> probably. They're probably... Their stands are probably made out of, I don't know, uh, cardboard or something. But uh, who who would you be sending off to St. Andrews to help with the building work there? It's kind of easy, isn't it, this week? Yeah. Phil, you you, you name it ha- the it man. Has to be, it, it has to be my target. It has to be. I said earlier, man. When when do you ever see a left back get hooks at half time? It's normally an ineffective striker. Yeah, I, I mean, I was going to call it quits on the game there, but I, uh, the reaction to uh, what he did, what Smith did at half time. Now, I'm thinking that Trore and Bailey were. I don't think he wanted to play Bailey in this game. I think give him five minutes at the end or whatever. But I think if they were match fit, they would have both come on at half time, or you would have hoped. You'd have hoped for something more than Ramsey because when Ramsey came on, my first instinct is, "Oh, we're not going to win this game now. We're not. We're not going to." He come actually back. did all right, to be fair. But he did. He actually added some spark, and uh, he said, "Oh, well, you know, hang on a minute. He's trying to get at least. He's trying to get something going." And uh, you know, if his shot was uh, on target, who knows? That would have been a good time to score, and uh, it would have done him a world of good and really uh, helped him stake a claim. But the fact that Bailey came on with thirty minutes to go suggested, "Oh, we're desperate here." But he did uh, pretty well, I thought. He got an insight into uh, what we can expect, even though you know he's, he's known the guys literally hours. It's like conviction he has, doesn't it? Even the, the way he whipped the, the cross in, there was no waiting, there was no floated ball or nothing. He drove that across the box and let McGinn get on the half volley. Yeah, he would definitely, uh, would definitely give teams something to think about if we create enough. Uh, I mean, if we attack on different, have a, multiple prongs of attack, that's where if he gets a bit more space, he will really cause damage if he's, you know, up against, you know, it's one on one against their fullback. But, you know, I'm hoping Luis comes back, Sanson comes back. You get Bailey fit, Watkins comes back. You got some dynamism then, which we lacked. But there was one glaring thing. I mean, at halftime in Match Club, I was saying, look, just bring bloody Wesley on. Just go for it. Wesley's got to earn his spurs if he's got a future at this club. And we need, you know, it's all right whipping in crosses all the time if all our players are like five for eight. And it, I think it was a glaring... Uh, 
signpost that he's not bringing on Wesley in that situation shows you uh, the amount of conviction they have in Wesley now. I think he's a last chance saloon battering ram type player, isn't he? But in terms of if we if we want to make things happen, he's not that kind of player. He's just he's just he's just a get on the end of things player. Yeah, and that's what exactly what we needed. We were you know we yeah. needed strikers on the bloody pitch, and he didn't even fancy Wesley through the whole game. No, nope. and you know we're talking about a twenty twenty. I know inflation goes up every uh, every season, but he was a record signing at you know twenty odd million, mm-hmm. and that shows you where we are with him. Uh, I mean, Smith said before uh, the game that they're looking to get people out. It didn't seem very uh, convinced that anybody would come in unless there's like some kind of opportunity that pops up but uh, I wonder if uh, Wesley's on the top of the list of people you're going to get out but I, I think I think we mentioned on the last podcast he's going to have to show something to get any kind of value because he's been injured for a year and a half yeah he holds no market value currently yeah as a you know, as a signing maybe as a loan player but so I mean they can write that one off in their own minds in terms of uh, well he got injured you know bad luck but surely he's uh, I mean it will come out in the wash won't it once he leaves the club but uh, surely he's not done and dusted just yet but I was a bit uh, if he's not coming on in that game of all games then uh, you know when Watkins is fit and Ings is fit it's not looking good is it no no. Right, before we end the show, uh, let's just have some burning questions. We, we'll end on a burning question. I don't know if we'll uh, reprise uh, underrated or overrated. We'll uh, have a look at the pool of players left. Could do Grealish, I suppose. Oof. But uh, <laughs> we want to try to round this uh, show off. So burning questions. Uh, Patio Young says, who do we play on the left wing? This is just generally, or is this for Newcastle? No, I think just generally. and Probably Watkins. So where's Bailey? On the right, cutting in. But Smith has said he's, he, he didn't buy Watkins to play on the wing. Smith has said other things before. I'm intrigued to see this team on Saturday. If Watkins is fit, it's gonna. I, think, I don't think anybody knows how this is all going to work then. Because yeah. you, you don't spend that money on Ings to put him on the bench, do you? No, he's, he's not going to be on the bench. And, uh, and you know, Smith has come out and said, you know, Watkins isn't there to play on the wing either. You said Watkins on the left there. But, you know, as, as you know, we've, we've noticed, he does drift out to the left naturally. Yeah. So can you play a formation where you play at two up top, but the one one of them who's playing up top is actually your, say, your left winger? <laughs> yeah, almost plays them like staggered. So that one's off the striker. So Watkins is still a striker, but he's kind of plays, almost he just has a free role to float around a bit. Hopefully they've thought about this one and they've prepared <laughs> it more so than how they prepared against Watford. On paper, you, I haven't got a fucking clue what our best team is. The, on form, the back four and keeper picks itself. After that, I haven't got a clue. This is why we get Bud on the podcast, people, <laughs> for his for his insight. <laughs> Normally, it's all right, but at the moment, it's like everyone's scratching their head. No, yeah. I think I think you're right because surely we can't just go. I mean, we were watching that friendly go four four two, and suddenly we're doing long throws. <laughs> so everything Dean Smith's ever thought about. His whole ethos has just gone out the window. Ah, fuck it. Sam Allardyce was right in the first place. <laughs> Very complicated. Like, we're going back to four four two in long throws. Yeah, so it's it's kind of intriguing. Uh, unfortunately, Watkins was injured, so we didn't get an early insight because I can't see us just playing straight up four four two, Mike Bassett style. I don't know how we would accommodate a front two, and either because then you potentially you'd lose all your width, or you would you just become a very narrow team. Because I'd imagine if he wants to. The only way I could see it is if it was like a 4-1-4-1. But then how that central midfield combination would work, I don't know. 
you'd almost have to jet- jettison one of the good wide players, someone like a Bailey, all of a sudden wouldn't fit in. Yeah, but you don't spend that money on no, somebody. He's come to play as well, so it's, yeah. it is kind of, I, I really don't know. I think he's going to play Ings as a 10 and put Buendia on the left and Bailey on the right. Maybe. Maybe I, I think uh, I think it'll be the other way around. Buendia on the right and Bailey on the left, and then he'll continue to play two holding midfielders. Yeah, but this is the thing: I don't think they're up to uh, European qualifying level. The the two holding midfielders, both going forward. Well, let's say being the engine room and also defensively. Well, they're saying that Nakamba Nakamba works when he's just like the out and out DM against you know better yeah. teams but then you can't really afford to play two up top and one system that makes me think to accommodate Ings and Watkins is uh, the old uh, three centre backs with two yeah, wing play backs two wing backs yeah and play it's just, just, just a straight three in the middle yeah because that, that actually works yeah and more, t- and more teams are going back to it aren't they in terms of suiting suiting our personnel so uh, yeah. and then you can have Bay, uh, sorry, Buendia playing a little bit like on the like a on on the top of the Christmas tree in midfield behind yeah. the, those two to link up, and then of course it's where does you know all of a sudden you got Bailey, Traore, Al Ghazi all probably sat on the bench. Sell them, <laughs> <laughs> get your money back. Yeah, this is the problem. I mean, we've we've got all these wingers, and that includes Trezeguet, but they're not really. Uh, Giving you a consi- they're not giving you consistency, and this is you know it's been our gripe all the time. So you're just hoping that Bailey does give you a decent, you know, let's say he's more consistent than, than those guys and a bit more electric, you know, electrifying. Then that's that's him top of the pecking order. I don't mind Traore coming in and out for his you know cameos and uh, you know sprinkling a bit of uh, magic around the place, but I can see him more as an off the bench type of player. But it's that standard in the in the middle there. It's it's the thing in it on their day they're good players but you need for where we want to be you've got to be we need to, we needed more consistency last year and by the way that that formation three centre backs would have probably worked against Watford in terms yeah. of how the game panned out especially with Swan yeah. who's you know athletic player yeah because uh, old target would have had a you know would have had assistance from the the left side uh, of that central three so uh, probably would have worked but it's all right you know in hindsight now I would be interested to know to tap into minds and to know exactly at this moment in time what they think of Morgan Sanson on the spectrum of oh, fuck we dropped a bollock there <laughs> to uh, <laughs> to don't worry he's going to come good and he he'll transform us I wonder where we are in terms of uh, behind the scenes on that on that Richter scale. It might be a lot of hope, but let's not rely too much. Yeah. Yeah, we'd love to say they gave him the eight because it's a storied history, but then the yeah. previous <laughs> occupier of the eight. In, in recent history, <laughs> fucking hell. Yeah. Barclay and Lansbury. Yeah, no, that's what I thought. I mean, I, Poison I, chalice. I needed an excuse to put out uh, an article uh, just on the shirt number, so I kind of tied in the... Uh, the one to eleven. Oh, they've given Sanson the number eight shirt. Does that suggest that he actually has a role? They actually rate him. What you know? What can we read into these uh, shirt number tea leaves? But anyway, that's that's what this. The whole podcast is just on our knees praying that Sanson is the uh, the holy one. Right. Well, we will uh, answer more questions in uh, the Mad Few uh, podcast for this month, uh, which will be on the Mailman Said Patreon channel. Speaking of which, uh, big shout out and thank you very much to uh, John Shea, John O'Sullivan, and Derek Ashman 
for uh, signing up as uh, my old man said patrons and also a big shout out to rob millington as well for signing up as an annual member if you sign up as an annual member you get two free months uh, which is 15 percent off uh, by becoming a my old man said patron as well as supporting you sh- the show you also get access to match club which is uh, it's like a 24 7 uh secret society which uh, meets up uh, it'll be mainly away games this season we're, we're looking into uh, ways of doing uh, home games or doing something else but this is something that's ever evolving and also you'll get access to the my old man said patreon podcast channel which kicks off again for this season uh, with uh, multiple different shows some of them aren't uh, actually football related so uh, it's more than just football the uh, the my old man said universe so uh, do go to my check on the patron link on the menu and uh, find out more details there right gents anything to add not from me other than just looking forward to being back in the ground you know hopefully it's a uh a very different occasion. It almost feels like the season starts on Saturday, really. Yeah, that was a bit of a false start. It's not the first or last time we'll have uh, a bad start. And uh, Smith always apparently finishes well. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Just to one degree or, or the other. And and uh, when he when he says finishes well, I was, hope, I was hoping he doesn't mean the last two games of the season, which seems to be a theme that uh, we've uh, got into in this uh, in the Premier League since he's been with us. But yeah, no, he. Uh, I think he needs a result against uh, Newcastle I think it's a great opportunity of if you could pick any team at this moment in time and uh, we'll think about Brentford when we get to it because uh, that will be similar to uh, Watford because they look very organised and very concentrated on in terms of they know what their strengths are and they know where they're going to get some purchase I think they'll be easier to plan against because Watford that was uh, I'm still shaking my head to uh, how we just seem so unprepared there but we move on to Villa Park we go. Let's hope it has the same crackling electricity as the Everton game when we return to the uh, Premier League because I thought that was going to be the atmosphere for every game but uh, it seemed to be a bit of a one-off but I'd imagine the emotion for most people coming back seeing the full house for the first time for a couple of seasons... Well, one since, and a half since the Spurs game, really. Yeah, so uh, a lot to look forward to there. So until then, it's goodbye from me, and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odour control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.